0: are talking about sex i know it's a shock get out there we go that's actually way less than i thought see like the high schoolers go wild they still can't you guys you guys are pretty mature no this is a good thing it's a good thing all right so like i said this is our final week it's our final time we're kind of capping off this series and i wanted to to just spend some time with you guys tonight Asking the question, why should we care so much about this? Why did we just spend three and a half weeks? Why do we spend so long sitting here? Why, why are we still talking about this? Uh, and, and so the question, again, is why does this matter? Why does us, what we think about sex, what we do with our bodies, why does this matter in terms of why does God tell us it matters, right? Uh, another way to ask this is, what should our goal be when it comes to sex? The way that we think and what we do, what should our goal be? Uh, and, and I think for me, in my mind at least, uh, if I want to pursue a relationship with God, if I want to follow him well, uh, then the clear thing is I need to get sexual morality right. What's right and wrong, I need to make sure I get that right. And God makes that very clear to us. Even in this passage that we first started in, in First Thessalonians, God makes it very clear why it matters that we get Sex, right? Uh, God very strongly desires relationship with us. This is clear. He sent Jesus to die for us. Why would He send His Son to die for us if He didn't want to have relationship with us in the first place? So He very strongly wants relationship with us, and He's also our creator and our designer, which is that He knows how we work. He, he gets our thoughts, He gets our feelings, He programmed us, He, he knows it all, right? And so, uh, it would make sense for me at least, and I hope you see this too. Uh, it makes sense that if I want to know how to get this topic right, how to get sex right, in order to have a relationship with God, a close relationship with God, if I want to get that right, I should probably listen to Him, right? Uh, a little fun story. I, I live in a house with uh, two of the high school leaders and, and a third guy who's a, another um, good friend of mine now. And, and so uh, in our house, actually, you guys remember? It's like two weeks ago on Wednesday. You remember that game where Mitchell tried to get you to drink a fish, yeah. Yeah. right? And remember how many of you did it? Uh, because it failed. And, and so the fish were real, though, right? Did anyone take a fish home down here? You should, did you name it? Yeah. What'd you name your fish? Edgar Allan, Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. That's a great name. My fish name is not that good. Uh, it's Trevor. Uh, <laughs> so we have a we have a male veiltail betta. It's technically betta fish uh that is trevor right there the the picture on the right is when we first put trevor in his tank trevor has a big for just him he's going to get some friends but uh we we rescued trevor he was going to die and we brought him home okay now we do not know how to take care of trevor uh we none of us in our house have actually had a pet fish before Um, so we knew that they need water uh the but but beyond that we didn't know Here's the first thing you need to know about a pet fish. The water has to be dechlorinated. We have chlorine in our drinking water. Like whatever you turn on your sink, there's chlorine in that water. That's poison to fish. So, the first thing we had to learn is we had to dechlorinate the water. Blew my mind. I didn't know that. So, what we've been doing is we've been going to this really cool uh, like fish store um, that's down in Edmonds, and we've been going there, and they've just been telling us everything we need to know about caring about this fish. Uh, what's the best food to buy? What do we need to do for the tank? We got those plants uh, yesterday, actually. And, and so Trevor has nice plants now to swim around and have a little shelter. Uh, but they know what Trevor needs. They know what's best for him. And we've been going to them a lot and asking a lot of questions. Otherwise, we were going to kill this fish. Uh, and Trevor is my fish son, and I love him, and I want what's best for him. And so I'm asking advice, Right. I've spent a lot of money on this fish, by the way. Beta fish costs like $3, and this fish cost me like $150. So uh, I love Trevor. Uh, And so here's the point, though. If I want what's best for Trevor, I should ask the people that know what's best for Trevor. These people are professionals. They take care of very expensive fish. They, They make a lot of money doing this. And so I'm to them because they know what's best for Trevor, and I'm willing to listen to them. It's the same thing in terms of God. It's actually a step above with God. God isn't just an expert on us. He actually designed and created us, right? And so when he says in Scripture, when he says in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, when he says it is his will, it is God's will that we be sanctified, that means grow closer to him, more like him. It's God's will that we actually grow closer to him. In order to do that, we should avoid sexual immorality. When God says that, I shouldn't just go, hmm, okay, I should go, no, I recognize that God wants me. He wants to be close with me, and this is what I need to do. This is one of the things I need to do in order to reach that. And so I need to dive into that. I need to to learn more. I'm going to talk uh, tonight about a few uh, things that sometimes we get confused, things that when I was your age, I was told or that I thought myself, and, and it's a misunderstanding, right? My first one tonight is that you may have heard that as a Christian, the goal in terms of sexual morality is to be a virgin. Uh, a virgin just means don't have sex. You haven't had sex, right? So you may have heard the goal, that, that the entire goal of what we're talking about is just to avoid having sex. Uh, and there's definite positives to that. I'm going to get into it. It's actually not the main purpose. In Again, in four three, the purpose is laid out, and we can show the next slide, is that uh, we are to grow closer with God. We're to pursue holiness and closeness with God. That's what sanctification means. It's relationship. So here's what happens. And, and Curtis went through a little bit uh, with this with you guys a couple of weeks ago. But when we go against what God designed us to do, when we go against what he teaches us, We grow apart from God, and he's designed us and given us instructions through the Bible, through his word, of what we are supposed to do in order to have relationship with him. So our goal is not to not have sex, right? First of all, if you get married, that goal goes away, Uh, and and you're likely, of you will likely get married. So that goal actually has an end in The goal is not to not have sex. The goal is closeness with God and that carries through your entire life. You will always be moving towards that and that goal is far superior. You're not running away from something, you're running to the greatest thing which is a relationship with your savior and your creator who loves you, likes you, he loves you and he wants you, right? Man, so that's why our motivation matters. This is why it matters because it's not about a set of rules of what we should and shouldn't do. It is about pursuing Relationship with God. If we, it, there's another danger to this. Uh, if, if we make being a virgin the main goal, uh, what we've done is we have elevated virginity to the certain point where as soon as you are not a virgin, somehow you are different. Uh, and that's not true because the cross is enough. There's a story of Jesus. Life, death, and resurrection, right? That's what we're celebrating around this time of year. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus came down as a baby to live a perfect life, to die for us as a sacrifice. That is what being a Christian is about. We recognize that he was saved and he did that, and that was real, and that death and resurrection is enough for us, right? So that does not mean that there are two categories of Christians that are those that are virgins and those that are not. That divide just doesn't exist it is sin. It's something that we want to av- avoid. We do not want to be sexually immoral. We do not want to be uh, lusting after people. We don't want to be looking at porn. We don't want to be thinking about our friends, the other guys, the other girls at school. We don't want to be thinking about them in a way that dishonors God, in a way that's, that's sexual, in a way that he does not actually desire for us. We don't want to be doing that, right? Because Jesus died on the cross. We recognize that he's our savior. We recognize that if we want relationship with him, he's given us instructions that when you do this, it damages our relationship and we don't want that. That's the why. We don't do it because we're not supposed to do it. We don't do it because we want relationship with God. There's another problem of when we elevate virginity, uh, and, and that's for people that have been sexually abused. Uh, I want to be very clear about this that if you have been sexually abused I, I don't know who you are I can't pretend to know who you are but if you have been sexually abused this idea that you're not a virgin anymore irrelevant you have nothing to be sorry for you have nothing to repent of you have done nothing wrong at all case closed there's nothing for you to look at and say I have made mistakes at all in this area right God does not judge you. God mourns with you. He hurts. He sees his child, and they've been abused. They've been wronged. He mourns that. He promises he will avenge you even. Our role as your brothers and sisters, my role, is to love you and support you any way that I can. One of the big ways uh, that, that we can do that as a community here uh, is a couple ways. One of them is recognize that you never know what another person is dealing with and has gone through. Um, so be careful in your conversations. Be careful about what you joke about. Be careful about what you say. Also be willing to listen. Have from your age, if you are willing to start as a middle school student all the through high school, if you are willing to have hard and awkward conversations with your friends, with the people that are in your small group and that are close to you, you will see your relationship with them grow very, very strong, very, very fast. Uh, I know that with some of my closest friends. Uh, that I've had very hard conversations with, that we have a bond that is far deeper than just we share things in common. Uh, God recognizes that, and, and that strengthens our relationship with each other because we're able to be honest with each other about what we're struggling with, what's going on. So if you're someone that has dealt with this in the past, that you have dealt with abuse, I hope that you're able to find people I hope there's people in this room, but if not, I hope that there's another trusted person in your life that loves Jesus, that you can talk to, that can come alongside you and support you, that can listen, can cry with you, they can love you, put their arm around you, and, and help carry this burden. Uh, it's actually biblical. That's actually, uh, Paul writes that in, in Galatians. So Paul wrote this letter in Thessalonians, but Paul also wrote this to another group of people, uh, the Galatians. He says, Carry each other's burdens, and in the way, in this way, sorry, and in this way, you will fulfill the love of Christ. As the body, we were to support one another and carry each other's burdens. That's okay. Don't feel like you're putting a burden on someone. That's what we're designed to do here, right? So, again, I want to be clear about this. If you're someone that has been sexually abused, and we've been talking about this the past few weeks, and you don't know how to feel. You have no guilt. You have nothing to repent of, but I hope that you can find people that you can share this with, that you can uh, offload some of that burden because I know it can just be crippled for you. Uh, so I, I really do hope and pray that for you. Uh, back, back to our topic here of just sexual uh, morality, what we need to do in order to have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, you may feel this, is another misconception, and, and this is one that I've, sh- I've felt very heavily on myself you may have felt that your sin is shameful, and you try to hide it from others. Uh, when my parents first caught me uh, ever looking at porn, ever, I was only in sixth grade. Uh, so I was as, as young as some of you. The first time they caught me was, was in sixth grade. And uh, I remember that I thought I had this secret that no one knew, and so it was fine, right? As long as no one knew about it, it wasn't hurting anybody. Uh, and it was fine. And I know Kurt has already gone into it with you guys that, that this does affect your relationship with others. Uh, your sexual sin does affect relationship with others. The biggest person that it affects is my relationship with God. So even if somehow, which you're not able to, by the way, if somehow is able to keep it from the entire world, what that was doing in my heart at that time was building a solid wall between me and God where I was blocking him out because I knew what I was doing was wrong. I just kept pushing him away. Man, uh, secret sin, whatever it is, and it's usually something to do with sex. That's why we're talking about it here. But secret sin, it could be anything. This is, this is applicable to way more than just sex. But is, that will create div- uh, division between you and God that will affect your relationship with others and will make you feel very distant from him. If you feel like your faith, if you feel like your relationship with God is kind of boring is stale, just doesn't feel right, there's a very high, that because there is secret sin in your life that you are not willing to confess. You're not willing to confess it to God first. You're not willing to confess it to anyone else, and that's building a divide between you and God. When my sister found out that I was in trouble about all this, uh, she was very, very excited uh, because that's what siblings do, right? When your sibling's in trouble, she found out, my parents were like yelling at me and stuff. She's like, ooh, you're gonna get it. Um, and I did, Right. so. Parents found out and caught me and I'm, I'm grateful uh, that they did. Uh, but the thing is, immediately after, after we had a very long hard conversation, again, I was your age, we had a very long and hard conversation. Uh, it felt like a giant weight was lifted off my chest. Like, if it really did feel like I was just free. I could breathe again. I could move. I could smile. Uh, and my sister was so confused because she thought, like, Austin's going to be going to be great. Like, my brother sucks. Uh, and it's true. It kind of did suck as a brother. But, but immediately, just after this conversation, that should have been crippling to me. Based on everything I thought. I thought my parents are just going to judge me. They're going to think less of me. I'm going to get in so much trouble. And I did rightfully so. Lost all my privileges. No phone, no computer. Back then, by the way, I had a flip phone. Uh, I don't know if any of you even have seen a flip phone, but I had a flip phone. So that's what I lost. There we go. That's what I lost was a little flip phone. But I, I lost everything. I mean, I didn't get to hang out with anyone. But I felt amazing. I felt so good after having the most awkward, hard conversation in my life. And here's why. It's because the secret sin that had been crippling me that had been getting me to block everyone out, that had been dividing me and God, making me not want to spend time with him. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to read his word because I knew what I was doing was wrong, and I knew everything about God was going to tell me what I was doing was wrong. That was now out in the open. That sin did not actually have hold on me. It didn't get to control me anymore. Satan, the enemy, was using that to control me. The real freedom came when I confessed. When other people found out, and when my parents prayed for me earnestly, they prayed for me all the time, we had real conversations about what needed to happen. <clears throat> David, David of old, uh, King David, Israel, ancient, ancient, way, way back, the guy that in Goliath, right? David who uh, killed his best friend's wife, or best friend to sleep with his wife, right? This David. He wrote this about his secret sin in Psalm 32. David said, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. It felt like his bones were dying. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me, God's hand. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. What's going on. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions, my wrongdoing, to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Secret sin is not secret to God. God knows about it. There's no reason to hide it. You can lock yourself all you want. God knows about all of the dirty deeds that we have done in our life. He knows all of mine. I'd love to say that after I had that conversation, my life was perfect. I've never, ever struggled with anything ever again. That's just not true. That's not how it works. Uh, But what is true is if you continue to hide it, it will feel, like David says, like your bones are wasting away, that God is putting his hand pressure on you because he wants you to confess. He wants you out in the open, and that's what we do as a church. That's what we do as a body is we confess our sin, first to God, then to each other, and we tell each other this truth. In 1 John 1, nine, this is the truth, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us. From all unrighteousness Paul again uh, reiterates this again that in Romans 8:1 he says therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus no condemnation when you're struggling with something whether it's sexual or not this applies to everything when there is secret sin in your life when you confess that to someone God does not look at you as less than you're not the sum of your sexual sins. You're not the total of all your worst sins in your life. That's not who you are. That's not your identity. If you believe that Jesus is your Savior. If that's true, if you want relationship with him, then who you are is a child of God that, yes, is sinful, but he looks at as clean. There's nothing that you can do that will break that divide, right? When it comes to sex, when it comes to, to what we believe, what we do, uh, it's important that we get right. And, and the big thing that I want you to take away is it's important that we confess this to each other, that we don't hide this from each other. Because hiding something in secret, it will only crush you, destroy you, and put a divide between you and God. Our goal in avoiding sex, in abstaining from sexual immorality, and the things that God has not designed us for. Our goal there is relationship with him. That is what we are pursuing, and that's, that's everything. That's what this is all about. That's why we meet here every week. That's why we go to camps. That's why we do everything. It's to build relationship with him. So this area is no different. And so I want to do something for you guys to, to kind of practice this. Um, you might have done this in main service or, or at another church, but it's called communion. Uh, and so, I'm, actually, I'm going to invite you up in, on stage, Jack, and let, play for a few minutes. But I'm going to describe what communion is and why we do this. Uh, and why we do this, first of all, it, it, Romans Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Why? It's because Jesus died on the cross for us, and that death was enough for all of our sins. Right? <clears throat> so what communion is? Well, literally what it is, is it's just bread and, and grape juice. But uh, what this represents and why we do this is that we are remembering Jesus' death for us. What I want to invite you to do is, while Jack is playing here, I'm, I'm going to read a passage to you that, that describes us. I want you to first spend a moment, just total silence in prayer and confess your sins to God. Take a moment to remember his, his death his resurrection. Remember that he's enough for you, that there's nothing in your life that you've done that's worse, that can separate you from him. That doesn't exist. He died on the cross for you, and that's the truth. That is what the gospel is. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. So again, what I want you to do first is pray, confess into God, and take a moment and be honest. After you've done that, stay quiet in respect to everyone else. Quietly stand up, walk to the back. We have two tables. There's some bread on a plate, and there's a bowl of grape juice. What I want you is take one piece of bread, bit in the bowl of juice. And just like Paul writes in, in this passage in 1 Corinthians. Remember that the bread represents Jesus' body which died on the cross. And remember that the red juice looks like blood. It's to represent Jesus blood that he bled for us. We're remembering the sacrifice he made for us because he loves us. So before you do it, do business with God. Confess your sin. But I also want to say this. If you don't believe Jesus is your Savior, if you're not sure, or if you're unwilling to confess sin in your life right now, Don't do it. Don't stand up. Don't go take that bread juice. No one's going to know, by the way, because we're not all doing this at the same time. Everyone's going to go whenever they're ready, but don't do it because I will respect you so much more for being honest about where your heart's at right now. This is something that we do as believers, as followers of Jesus, to remember what he did for us. And if you're not in a place to do that right now, no judgment. Just don't. Stay where you are. Stay quiet. No one will know. Right? Right? So again, pray, quietly grab a piece of bread and juice and and Jack will play for a little bit and come back quietly and sit down and and we'll close in worship in a few minutes. But uh, I'm going to pray for us to start. Let's go ahead and take it away. God, just pray right now that as we are about to do this this act where we remember your death on the cross for us, I pray first for honesty and vulnerability that we know that we can approach you, our Savior and our Father. That we remember the truth of 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess to you, that you are faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us of that sin. God, just help us to, to be honest now, to do business with you, to, to free us from this sin so that we can Freely pursue relationship with you because that's what you designed us for. That's what you desire with us. And God, for any sin that's hidden, if it if it's sexual or not, God, I pray that we would freely confess it to you and then to each other, to hold each other accountable, to to love one another and forgive each other, uh, so that we can best follow you. God, I pray these things in your name. Amen.